Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Cassidy. Rob, how's it going today? It's going, man. A quick two-man edition of the show this week. No Nick Kruger, who we missed dearly. Yeah, Nick is uh, getting ready to drive from Austin to Memphis, so uh, he's got all types of stuff going on. Waited too long to buy those plane tickets. Classic mistake, right? Yeah, that's uh, you know, that's a tough one. I, uh, I I will not be going anywhere. I'd be having dirtbag Thanksgiving in Miami. Yeah, Rob and I will both be preparing the meals, I believe, right? Or do you do you just cook the turkey? I'm only yeah, I'm only a turkey. Uh, I'm only on the hook for turkey. So I've got friends that are going to be making the sides, I guess. But do not call yeah. it Friendsgiving. Well, I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. (laughs) I will be cooking all of it uh, this year. So, although I I do believe some guests said they were going to bring the the yams, which uh, I don't like to make that. So, big shout to uh, to them for that. All right, we want to remind you: please leave us a review on iTunes. Please tell a friend. We've been getting a lot of feedback lately. Makes us makes us feel good. Rob and I both egomaniacs. We need to be constantly reinforced with uh, positive <laughs> comments, or or at least comments at all. Right? But, Do they have to be positive, Rob? Or you just well, yeah. I hope not, because considering that you spend thirty seconds every week telling people to get on there and mock me, um, you know, I, I take it pretty well. Exactly. Well, whatever. It, it is. I do enjoy people making fun of you. So, <laughs> just fair. I get that. Anyway, we want to jump right into this week's games. Guess what? Last week, Woody finally with a winning week. I go two and one in the picks. Uh, you went two and one also, Rob. And Nick Kruger on a roll, three and zero oh now. So the put his season record twenty four twenty one and one. Rob, you are thirty fifteen and one. That is a an impressive record. Yeah, it's monstrous. Um, you know, if I was betting all of these games, you know, I might be able to pay somebody to cook my turkey. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not having turkey. You know, turkey's overrated. Uh, I'm 14, 31, and one. So a mere 17 games under 500, still alive. As uh, I believe, we may try to pick every single bowl game uh, this year if we can make it happen. I would like to do that. That would make for um, one so. long-winded podcast. Well, I mean, we would do it on a weekly basis. We would just pick the games of the week, so we That's wouldn't have to do it all in one. So anyway, let's jump right into it. The first first game we're going to talk about this week, USF at UCF, my alma mater, uh, the, the school where I famously attended, earned a degree, was invited back to speak one time, uh, made a bunch of offensive comments, and haven't heard from any professors since. Well, isn't the first thing you did was stand up in front of the journalism school and tell them all to switch majors? Uh, well, I said that. And I also told them, I said, I said, who here's an editor at the school newspaper and like a bunch of kids, this was a Southeast regional thing for the society of professional journalists. I said, who here's an editor at their college newspaper and four or five people raised their hand. I was like, congratulations, you're wasting your time. (laughs) Yeah, that'll get you uninvited. (laughs) I said, go get an internship, which is true, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that serves you a lot better than, you know, there are thousands of applicants for jobs that have been the, you know, the managing editor of their student newspaper. So, All right. I just remember being in college and I would be like, I want someone to tell me the truth because you ask, how do I get a job in journalism? And they'd say, well, there's no one path, blah, blah, blah. No, the, the key is go out and write, start writing. There's no excuse not, and don't work for some giant conglomerate who pays you $5 an article. Go work at the local paper, go st- start your own blog. No, you, you were right, but what you did was basically show up at like the local vegetarian conference and tell them all that tofu sucks and they should all be eating meat. Yeah, well, because I'll do, I do that. Anyways. I keep it 1000 at all times. So <laughs> guess what? I bet there was a lot of kids in there, uh, you know, who, who said, man, that Woody guy. I wish I could hear him speak again. 
uh, you know, now that he follows high school or athletes around for a living. <laughs> yeah. yeah, follow my lead, kids. You only hate <laughs> yeah, exactly. stock teenagers. Uh, anyway, so this game, my neighbor across the street uh, famously has a USF flag, and the question is, should I light it on fire this week in the middle of the night? It is. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? Please people reach out to us. Are people that haven't listened to this podcast for very long and think you're joking. <laughs> Let me know what I should do to uh, vandalize my neighbor's property uh, in advance of this game. USF, an 11 point underdog, traveling to, uh, I believe they call it Spectrum Stadium, it used to be called Bright House. You know, those corporate mergers always mess with the names. Rob, I know what you're going to pick. Uh, you're going to take UCF to cover. If it was 100 points, would you take the line? What, what is what would the line have to be for you not to take UCF? Uh, high. Uh, I would probably look twice at it if it was 21. Um, but here, easy, easy cover. Uh, UCF has failed to cover three times. One of them was against an FBS or FCS school where they definitely were not trying. Uh, they're going to cover this, and I think they're going to cover it relatively easy. Yeah, I will also take UCF, um, and I and I've been I've been down on USF all year. I think the game they this past week I told Rob I said that's an enticing line against Tulsa. I don't think they could cover against Tulsa. I didn't think they would cover against Houston. They ended up losing that game, so I've been kind of dubious of them. I like the coaching matchup here for UCF. Uh, me being an alum or not, I I think it's a good matchup for them. The only you know, obviously the one X factor is the coaching situation, but they seem to be overcoming that. They bounce back. Were very impressive last week. So moving on, Washington State at Washington, the Apple Cup. Oh, we should say that that game is called the War on I-4, which I think is a good nickname. Uh, I think they stole it from the Arena Football League, though, so that's worth noting that. Um, Washington State at Washington, the Apple Cup. Washington State, a nine-point underdog traveling to Seattle. It is tough to play in Seattle, but as I told you before we started recording, Let's go all in on the Cougs. I think uh, Washington uh, is pretty much elim- – they are eliminated, I believe, uh, from contention for the Pac-12 North Championship. It means they have nothing to play for. They're out of the college football playoff. I just I – don't, I don't like their chances in this game. I think uh, they, you know, their, their defense is hurting. I like Wazoo. I think you know, they have a real good chance of going in there and, and winning outright, let alone covering. So what's your pick, Rob? I looked at the forecast for this game and the only way Washington has a chance and it looks like it's going to be wet and cold. Um, and you know, that'll put at least some damper on Mike Leach's offense. Uh, you know, I think Washington could win this game, but man, plus nine is a lot for Washington state against, you know, a team that does have very little to play for. I'll, I'll side with you and take the Cougs. Yeah. I think it's a lot in a rivalry game period, you know, so even if Washington state wasn't good. So, so yeah, we're going to both go with Washington State here. Next up, Ohio State at Michigan. Rob, uh, in a column, which I'm not sure if it will be out. It comes out on Wednesday. I think we're going to release this on Tuesday this week. Rob made fun of both fan bases, which is pretty impressive. Well, um, it's not that I've made fun of them. It's just that they both are scared of each other. That's what this rivalry right now is based in. And I mean, they can dispute it, but that's true. I am going to go first again, and I'm going to take Ohio State just because they're rolling right now. Michigan having all types of issues at quarterback injuries. They're essentially, you know, whichever way you slice, they're going to have to play their third string quarterback. And I just think Ohio State sees a back doorway into getting back in the playoff and, and they're motivated and they've been playing well. So I'm going to take the Buckeyes. This game's, in, this game's in Ann Arbor? Yeah. This is a tough one. Um, you know, I'll take, I'll take Michigan. Um, I think Ohio State is definitely not immune to coming out flat. We've seen that uh, and maybe not in this game. Uh, but this game, 
always seems to be a little weird. You know, it's one of these really heated rivalries. I think this will be closer than 11 points. Yeah, Ohio, uh, Michigan does have a good defense, we should say. I, I You know, people are down on Michigan. Oh, you know, he, Harbaugh has the same record as Butch Jones. It's like, that's what, you know, they lost a ton of starters. There's, they don't have the depth that Ohio State has as on a roster yet. They will in another year or two, and I think you'll see where a situation where they'll continue to roll and get better. All right, the Iron Bowl. Uh, what do they call? What do they call Ohio State at Michigan? What's the nickname for that game? I think it's like something hatred. I don't. I can't remember. I, I stay out of the Big Ten usually, but I thought it was called like. I thought it had a weird like sentence name, didn't it? I think that's Georgia Georgia Tech. Good old fashioned hate oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's what that is. Yeah, I, I don't look, know what it's called. I'll look it up here. Okay, you you look it up. Well, I was going to say I'll look it up. I'll, you look it up. I'll pick this game. The Iron Bowl. Alabama four and a half point favorite going to Auburn. Auburn is rolling. We've seen them have a ton of success. We saw them, you know, blow out Georgia. They messed around with ULM for a little bit this week before blowing them out. They have a great home field advantage. And, you know, that when that stadium gets rocking, it's been impressive. They also have a very good defense, especially the front seven, several former uh, players that we were familiar with in high school, uh, highly ranked uh, commicks and whatnot. I think – I think I know what you're going to pick, but guess what? I'm going to pick Alabama. I just don't see them losing this game. It would cause a ton of chaos. Four and a half points is close, but the way I've seen Jalen Hurts take over games late, I think he can do that again here, whether it's with his arms or his legs. I think he is going to have to throw the ball early. I mean, we saw, I imagine the game plan will be similar to what it was with Jake Fromm, but I don't know. I like their chances. I was really impressed the way they came back and won that Mississippi State game, so I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Alabama. I'll take Auburn. I think that, you know, I told you off the air that I think Auburn has a chance to win this outright. I think Alabama hasn't really been tested this year. I think Auburn is a very good football team, as we saw by their seal clubbing of Georgia. Uh, I think there's a chance this is that they win this game. I, know, I understand the game's at Tuscaloosa. I understand it's very hard to beat Alabama there, and I understand it's very hard to beat Alabama in the regular season. Uh, I just, something about this game feels weird to me. I think Auburn might be a little bit better than we think, and Alabama might be a little bit less invincible than we think, and I like Auburn here. How much, do you, what do you think Auburn fans would think if, if they knew that, that recruits don't know how to say the name of their school? That they say Auburn? Yeah. <laughs> Every kid says Auburn instead of Auburn. I don't know if you people out there in podcast land realize that, but it's so funny uh, that they don't know the actual name of the school. It always makes me laugh. <laughs> So you're going to take Auburn. Uh, you got to wait. We got a verdict on the. Yeah, it doesn't look the like it has for- a name. You know, according to the reputable website Wikipedia.com, which usually lists those kind of things, it doesn't seem to have you know like a, a title, um, which I'm sure it does. And we'll get 30 tweets telling us some kind of idiots. You guys cover college. Y'all cover college football. You don't know the name of this, but <laughs> it doesn't seem to have one. Uh, maybe they think they're too good for that, or the rivalry is too heated for that. I'm sure there's some ridiculous explanation as to why there's no name, but I don't. I don't see one. All right. Well, if you know, we should have asked uh, boy Tim Sullivan. I'm sure he would have had an answer for us. Uh, last but not least, the last game we're going to pick this week, Notre Dame at Stanford. Notre Dame, a two-point favorite. Stanford's been playing well. Bryce Love continues to be hurt. Uh, you know, he, he plays a little bit, and then he, his ankle hurts. Uh, reminds me of his showing at, at camps back in the day. <laughs> um, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame. I, I like Stanford. They've been playing well. Uh, and, and they do have a good defense, but I think Notre Dame uh, goes in there and, and takes that one. Yeah, I'm with you for all the reasons that you've outlined. 
you know, I like Stanford. It's just they're limited, and it's they, you know, they have limited upside in terms of what they're able to do. So, so I, sometimes I just think they just don't quite have the talent that these other teams have. They're a well coached team, but we see them lose games oftentimes when they're, uh, you know, the other team has more athletes on the field. You know what? I want to change my my pick. I'm going to take Stanford, and this is why they are still kind of playing for something. If Washington is to beat Washington State, uh, and they no, I guess they're not. Washington's already clinched. Never mind. I'll keep my pick. No, I th- uh, there is a way. I think, yeah, but even if they lose, matter. even if they lose, it doesn't matter because it's a non-conference yeah, game. It yeah. doesn't affect so, them. Yeah. yeah. All right. So wait, you're keeping Notre Dame then? No, yeah, keeping Notre Dame. And I don't think that game has a nickname. Either. It doesn't. Yeah, they could lose it by a million, and just as long as Washington State loses, they're good. Okay. Moving on. Uh, this week's top five. We got all types of topics to talk about, and we're going to start out with Tennessee and the coaching search. It is really madness, and it came to a fever pitch over this weekend. Now, every year on the coaching search circuit we see you know people think they're insiders trying to break news and next thing you know they got dino babers going to ucf as the coach (laughs) which (laughs) will be my all-time favorite thing uh and and everybody and we hear things we hear rumors the question is you know do you have a background in reporting how comfortable do you feel reporting something when it happens and you know Rob and I both stayed away from it despite hearing stuff with assistant coaches, with head coaches, all, you know, because all it's ridiculous. You know, the way I was taught is if you don't have it from an athletic director or from the coach being hired uh, and a second source, maybe don't, you know, seeing a guy at a ribs restaurant in Tennessee, I don't think uh, constitutes solid reporting. You know, So, so what happened this weekend was uh, Peyton Manning was eating at a restaurant there in Knoxville. They had the uh, 20th anniversary of the 1997, or was it, it was the 20th anniversary of the 97 team. So so Peyton was there. A bunch of famous Tennessee alums were there. And this restaurant put out a – was it a Facebook post or a tweet saying, boy, you know, so so happy to have Peyton Manning and, and John Gruden here eating at our restaurant. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the internet went wild. Oh, John Gruden's in Knoxville for the fifth straight week. The you know, best there's part rumors that- was – so the Ribs restaurant – and I feel like it's important to point out that it's a ribs restaurant. It's like a barbecue place. Uh, releases the statement. And then like in the responses, somebody that is at the ribs restaurant has mocked up. I guess they've taken a picture of the back of the, the Gruden like likes head, right? The back of his head. And then they've gone, I guess, into the John Gruden photograph archives and found a picture from uh, ESPN of the back of John Gruden's head from one of these quarterback things. And they've spliced it together. And underneath is like a 50 – post thread comparing the heads the back of a grown man's head this is where we are with this coaching search it's really so 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 it's that's madness it turns out uh then espn's pr guy bill hoffenheimer put out a tweet saying uh you guys he's in seattle (laughs) getting ready for monday night football he's not he's not in knoxville sorry uh so so that went out the window uh, that made you know that was disappointing for Tennessee fans. We it's also, also disappointing for the the world's foremost e- expert at comparing the back of gentlemen's heads. I mean that poor that poor person has to really be bumming about their life. Yeah, that seems like a almost like a Nathan for you situation to have <laughs> to have that type of analyst. But uh, then uh, you know we had earlier in the week we had a periscope from the airport watching planes land and I think trying to see who was going to get off the plane. Um, so this is probably. Oh, you, my, forgot, you forgot the drunk guy yelling, chasing John Curry through the concourse at the game this weekend, yelling, are you going to hire Gruden? As if John was going to turn around and be like, you know what, drunk guy, now that you mention it, let me tell you where we are at the coaching search. 
Oh yeah, that, that also happened. So boy, to be him, and you've said he can be prickly, right? Not really prick. I mean, he can be prickly, but he can also just be like aloof. Like he's very good at saying a million words and not saying anything. I it was it's the most frustrating part of interviewing John Curry is that you'll ask him one question and you know he'll say a thousand words, but five minutes into it, he's talking about you know the finer points of heating and cooling, and it's like, man, I asked you about the I asked you about the head football coach. <laughs> what happened? So needless to say, it's total chaos and it'll all work itself out. I don't think we're going to get a resolution before this weekend, whether they've hired Gruden, whether they've hired, you know, Vince Lombardi's, you know, risen corpse or whatever. We're not going to know until after this weekend. That's how a lot of coaches and a lot of these searches shake out. So I know the Tennessee fans are clamoring for any sort of information and, you know, that, that, you know, our, our site VolQuest is all over it. They've got an update today where they mention, you know, once again, Dan Mullen, uh, Greg Schiano, which I thought was interesting. I, I, I don't, I would not like that hire uh, for Tennessee. Um, I think he'd be better off going to a place where he's got to build the thing from scratch. And I just, I don't know how he would fit. Uh, speaking of prickly, how, how well he'd fit in Knoxville. And then Willie Taggart's name continues to float around. It's interesting to see him tied to every job. Something tells me where there's smoke, there's fire. He may be looking around, maybe wanting to get out of Eugene uh, after one year. That would be very interesting to see what would happen if, if he were to leave again. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird to follow this stuff. I think we all, we enjoy it. You and I enjoy watching from afar, but for right now, there's not a lot of movement and, and I, so we don't want to break it down. We just want to talk about the madness. A, another thing I wanted can, to talk can about. Can we do a quick segment on. before we move on? Before, can we try to predict yeah. the insane thing that will happen with the Tennessee coaching search this, this week? Man, well, I th- I could see somebody being with John Gruden at Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good guess. I, for whatever reason, maybe because it's just the South and this seems like a very Southern thing, I feel like a car dealership is going to get involved here. Uh, whether John Gruden had a rental car from there, or either a car rental place or a car dealership, I feel like I feel like that needs to happen. I feel like that may happen in the week ahead. Yeah, I, I like that. I, that's a good prediction. So we'll, so we'll say that. Now, this, the second thing I want to talk about was Florida search. Okay, we saw uh, yesterday, which was Sunday uh, when, when we're recording this. We're recording this on Monday afternoon. We saw a lot of people on Twitter, none of which were reporters, and that seems to be a trend with the Florida search. Is, is there's all sorts of you know unverified rumors out there. We saw that that a group of important you know, Florida people flew to New Hampshire to meet with Chip Kelly. They came back. He wasn't on the plane. Then we saw some people saying the deal was done. Our boy, our boy Quincy even tweeted that it was done, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so that was coming out. But in the week prior, we saw all types of tweets with people saying stuff like, you know, Hey, this guy's interested. And the AD of Florida, Scott Strickland, is replying to people on Twitter with like memes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, that's madness, right? It's in a lot of ways even crazier than the Tennessee stuff. Like sure, there's no drunk guy in a concourse or rib restaurant involved. But I've never – I can't remember a situation where the AD was shooting down rumors from random jabronis on Twitter. You know? Right. It's like what are you doing? You're the AD at a school. Why are you replying to people like – He's putting gifts. Today's advice, pretty much, pretty much the same as yesterday's advice, and the day before that, and the day before that. Um, and he has a he has a gift that says, "You're sweating. Relax. Take a deep breath." He's really setting himself up for like he better have Chip Kelly now. 
Because if he doesn't and he hires somebody that they don't like or that fails, these tweets are going to – you want to talk about a field day for our boy Old Takes Exposed. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this one – how about this one? Somebody took a screenshot of a post from our Florida site, InsideTheGators.com, their message board, and it says – it says, update, was told it's basically a done deal, but nothing would be announced until signed, and they hope to have that done here shortly, and they hope to announce it tonight. UF had to get NCA to allow, no idea why, but that's been taken care of. The only problem has been the XAD, who will still be involved and who does not want Chip and is pushing for Strong. I'll know when it's signed, and I'll post when I do. Okay, that was on November 13th. Then somebody replied and said, Foley, shut the hell up and go eat some PB&J with your buddy Scott Strickland. Foley would be the XAD. Get a chip to the swamp. At which point, Scott Strickland, the AD, the athletic director at the University of Florida, replies and says, there is a lot of bad, i.e. incorrect info out there, but this is a whole other level of bad info. What are you doing? I don't. I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> no idea. The SEC is the best thing. I mean, and then he goes on. There's other ones of of a Mark Twain quote. Uh, I mean, come he's on, really Scott. set himself up here, right? Like, if he doesn't now, if he doesn't respond to every rumor, he's like by not responding, he's confirming that it might be true. Right. It's it's very weird, and I don't know if this is maybe. You know, I don't want to get political on you, Rob, but I did, maybe everyone says, hey, if the president can do it, I can I can pop off on Twitter, which, you know, take note, the Rivals.com bosses <laughs> 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 for my personal my personal uh, situation. So uh, Rob and I are enjoying it. We just wanted to pass along if, uh, to, to you guys who maybe aren't following it like we are that it's madness. Everything's breaking loose on the Internet now. This weekend, boy, I took a lot of flack for defending our boy, Baker Mayfield, the Oklahoma quarterback who uh, was caught on TV making an obscene gesture and cursing at the Kansas bench. Uh, This came after Kansas refused to shake his hand pregame and then uh, took some cheap shots at him on the field, maybe trying to injure him. He he was real fired up about it. And, of course, you know, the chorus of show some class, show some class, Rob, like (laughs) – you know, but by, by the way, you've been known to trash talk when you're winning in a basketball game. I mean, you should you should show some class. Yeah, no, I am. I'm definitely a trash talker. That's for sure. So, so I got mad because I said I cannot be mad. You don't understand. People like Baker Mayfield, and it's, there are several people like this, including Michael Jordan, by the way, who feed off of they they feed off of negativity and they turn it in to success in their particular field or sport. So Baker Mayfield, when they didn't shake his hand, I think nobody expected Kansas to win, but we knew he was going to then do something crazy because he's a crazy person, just like me. Kansas staff admitted that the reason they did that was to get to try to make him do something crazy. They were just hoping that crazy would be turned the ball over four times. Right. I mean – and we've all seen it. We've all, we've seen it with several different people. And in there's a comparisons to Johnny Manziel. Guess what? Baker Mayfield. When you're on the field in a game, and you know, I am by no means any form of elite athlete. But when you're in the heat of the, the heat of battle, like he was, you're not worried about the cameras. You're not even thinking about hey, there, there are cameras filming everything I do. You're thinking, I'm going to show these guys what's up, and that's what he did. They started it. He finished it. As I as I famously told Rob, there was one time at a slow pitch softball game where uh, 
you know, we'll go turn this into Woody story time <laughs> where I felt like I was wronged by the other team. Okay. There was a, there was a little bit of miscommunication between me and the ump. I felt like the other team cheated and took a base when they shouldn't have. Uh, and people started popping off in the stands, right? Let's uh, get to maybe the if you were paying more, <laughs> or if you were paying more attention. So, you know, there may have been, you know, you know, every slow pitch softball team has a player who, you know, maybe is overweight or not very good, right? Sure. <laughs> so, me being the slow pitch softball player that I am, somebody hits a slow roller back to the mound. And normally what you do is field it and throw it to first base, right? Of course. Well, I field it. And then I proceed to run to first base and stand one step away from the base and make the person run all the way down the line before stepping on the base. <laughs> so they were out. There was a third out of the inning. It was the first baseline. Our dugout was the third baseline. As I ran by the dugout of the, of the first baseline, I used my glove to shield my hand as I flipped off the entire bench, right? <laughs> yeah. You're lucky the sky camera didn't catch that one. Right. It's just exactly imagine. So then the next time, so I come up to bat and there's still people popping off. And guess, guess what, Rob? Uh, we hit a stand up double. So I come around to score on an easy hit. And it was one of those ones where you can just kind of trot home. Yeah. And I touch the base and the old guy behind the dugout starts yelling again or whatever, right as I'm picking up the bat from the previous person who had batted. Yeah, that's a mistake. And the guy says something and I go, say one more thing, old man, and I'll come. <laughs> I'll come out there. That's like a bad guy line from an eighties movie. And he was like, he was like, he was like, you started it. You started it. I said, no, nah, you started it. I'm going to come out there and finish it. And of course, you know, my teammates who worked with me at the newspaper as I'm wielding a bat at a 65 year old man behind a fence telling him I was going to come out and assault him. <laughs> they were not happy with me, but guess what? They were hoisting that trophy when I allowed – Rob, I allowed two runs in a seven-inning game of slow-pitch softball, okay? Yeah, I like how you're uh, you're painting slow-pitch softball as if like you're throwing curveballs. <laughs> you really right, can't off balance. I can I put a little spin on that ball with my pinky finger now. Don't – don't uh, Nick Kruger can tell you. I, we, we had some fierce battles back in the day of the old N- NDN uh, softball league down in Naples. So needless to say, that's a small – that's a small portion of – you know, Baker Mayfield is an elite athlete. And you, when you feel slighted and you have that type of personality, you're going to act out. And guess what? Who cares? These people. I was like, he's on a football field. He's not in a children's hospital. And some guys are like, what if a children's hospital is watching? Well, then guess what? They get a taste of the real world, right? No, I, I you know me. I cannot be offended by any of this. Uh, I don't have the time to care about this. <laughs> Uh, you don't have the time to get mad at Baker Mayfield for saying a curse or whatever they're mad at him about, I guess, the gesture. I can understand why some people would hate the gesture. Um, that I get. I don't understand anybody being outraged by – any adult being outraged by cursing in 2017. Is <laughs> Think of the kids. Well, you know what? The kids are going to hear curse words. Sorry if they had to read a guy's lips on TV. The gesture I get <laughs> because you know the nature of what that gesture was, I understand why people could be offended by that. But I don't think it's like suspend him level you know he apologized he did something in the heat of the moment it's not like he you know it's not like he physically harmed somebody uh i don't know i just yeah i don't have the time or the patience to care about this at all you know i was listening to another podcast uh today and they they mentioned it on the the solid verbal you know wild thing famously did that gesture in major league and where was the outrage then rob <laughs> well that was a movie <laughs> but uh yeah i you know it's a good question 
Yeah, there's only one thing left to do, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> we need to play the wild thing. I, that's my my favorite quote from Major League is when they find out the team's moving and our boy uh, Tom Berenger says, there's only one thing left to do. And he says, when the whole blanking thing. I love it. Yeah, that's my favorite a good one. Line one any movie. So big shout to Major League. I love that movie. I really right. enjoy the Willie Mays Hayes thing where it's like <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you, yeah. runs runs. <laughs> feces yeah exactly that's a good one so uh also guess what uh, i tweeted defending baker and the, the tweet got about 250 likes so far and guess who the majority of those people were rob oklahoma fans no uh, football recruits who are who f- find it totally justified what he did and are in no way shape or form offended and guess what they want their quarterback to act like that because that's someone they want to go into battle with yeah, i was gonna say games in miami i see that kind of thing like you know, five times a Friday night, probably. Uh, there are no cameras, I guess, but nobody's getting suspended for that gesture down here. I can confirm that. Right. We need to stop equating. We need to stop equating football to like, you know, etiquette at a tea party. Okay. This isn't Downton Abbey. My favorite thing is in basketball where people get mad when the opposing fans rush the court. Act like you've been there before. Show some class. It's like, why? I mean, I'm a drunk college student. Of course, I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm coming out on the floor for whatever. All right. So guess what? It's good for recruiting. As I can tell you that. Baker Mayfield is the kind of player that kids like, and every quarterback out there has the utmost confidence in, in themselves to do anything. And they love to see it. So he's getting, I think he's getting benched this week to start the game. He's not a captain. You know, Lincoln Riley, come on, man. I wish you would uh, support your boy a little more. But I guess it's all it's all pressure from the outside. He had to apologize. He must, you know, the apology police are out seeking an apology. So anyway, that that's my opinion on it. Keep keep being you, Baker. We, we love you. Uh, we uh, People like Baker Mayfield are what make college football great. Don't at me. Moving on, we should have probably talked about this earlier, but Jim Mora, the head coach at UCLA, you're fired. He got <laughs> he got the axe. And I think, as we talked about this earlier today off the air, I think UCLA did this a week early because they heard the Florida Chip Kelly rumors and they realized we're going to be left out in the cold. We need to at least take a shot here. We're going to fire him anyway. Let's fire him on his birthday. <laughs> Give him $12 million as a birthday which, present. Which is only the second – Worst time to get fired, with the first worst being when you're on your honeymoon, as a good friend of the podcast can identify with. <laughs> I wonder if they hit him with, you know, timing is timing, Jim. <laughs> um, so, it's not funny. We should timing. laugh because the guy we're talking about is like one of my favorite people in the world. But timing is timing is hilarious. I mean, that's a timing, funny phrase. Timing is timing. So uh, it's clear they did this to make a move with Chip Kelly. Jim Mora, I mean – UCLA football is the maybe the most underachieving program historically, not just under Jim Mora, going back years. I mean, the last 25 years, think about it. Oregon has won Pac-12 championships, Stanford. I think Arizona might have had more success during the time. You are UCLA, okay? You're, the campus is great. I famously went there and took a nap uh, one time. One time when, when uh, on campus, I just laid down on the grass and took a nap when I flew into town early and couldn't check into my hotel. It's a great place to be, and it's you can recruit players. You've got enough talent in your backyard, regardless of USC. There's a ton of talent there, and they just can't get it done. No matter how many coaches they've had here, we had Rick Neuheisel, couldn't get it done. They had um, Carl Durrell, I think, before that, and. 
nobody's had success. Jim Mora was, in my opinion, was kind of an uninspired hire. I never was a, a he seemed, seemed to me like an NFL guy, but I think uh, he'll probably find himself back in the NFL as a defensive coordinator. But Rob, do you think that with the right hire, if that's Chip Kelly, I think Chip Kelly would be phenomenal for this job. He has success in the Pac-12. I think he would take their offensive players they currently have, Josh Rosen or otherwise, and immediately be one of the best offenses in the conference. Uh, we saw Scott Frost do it at, at UCF with a team that didn't win any games. Um, what do you think? Do you think this is a destination job? Do you think people should want this job more? What, what's your take? I don't. All right. So it has some factors working against it, right? It's, it's, uh, you get the basketball factor working against it. You've got USC on top of you, which is a, you know, a traditional power for not just the region, but the country. That's not ideal. Uh, being known as kind of a basketball school, also not ideal. I don't think that either are really a deal breaker, but when you combine the two, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, more had some recruiting success. You've got to get a guy, and this is why Kelly is ideal. You got to get a guy that's going to have some kind of innovative look, some kind of offense, some kind of proven system. Uh, to kind of come in there and, you know, because you're going to need to win. You're going to need to beat USC. You're going to need to be the premier program in LA before you're the premier program in the Pac-12. Uh, and, you know, it starts by beating your rival. It starts by beating your rival on the recruiting trail and and on the field. And unfortunately for UCLA, that is not an easy task when it's USC. Yeah, it, it is a tough job, but it's, I mean, it's easier than going to the Fiesta Bowl out of Corvallis, isn't it? I mean. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But to sustain it? I don't know. Yeah, you you should be able to win eight games there, rolling the ball out on the field, in my opinion. I know there are a lot of good coaches in the Pac-12, but come on, man. I mean, you know, where are we at in society, as uh, Mike Gundy would say. I just think uh, Jim Moore was a big disappointment. And I, I never, I just like I said, I never really cared for, for, you know, the outside looking in. I just didn't, I didn't like the fit there. Play, you know, watching teams play them, I never felt like they were going to win, even when they had Brett Hundley, who's starting in the NFL. I mean, they, they have Josh Rosen, who probably will be the number one pick in the draft. And think about it. He throws for 400 yards every game. Jim Moore is a defensive coach, and they can't stop anybody. No, it's, you know, it, it makes, I mean, your, your point makes sense, obviously. I just think there are some factors working against it. And you do need to make a splash higher there. I don't think that this is a place where, you want to groom an up-and-coming coordinator or somebody from a Mac school. Uh, I think, at least right now, the situation dictates that they need to make a splash. And should Kelly answer that? The guy I think is going to get hired and, and should get hired by one of these Pac-12 schools, whether it's Oregon State, he probably doesn't fit UCLA, but he, he might fit Oregon if these Taggart rumors keep keep heating up. Is Bo Baldwin, the offensive coordinator at Cal. He was the head coach at Eastern Washington. Famously beat several Pac-12 schools when he was in the FCS level. I think uh, you know he developed Vernon Adams, who we saw come you know transfer to Oregon, have success. I think that's the kind of innovative mind that that one of these schools could really use, and I think he's a name to watch. I just don't know, like you said, they're going to have to win the press conference with this one. It's going to have to be, you know, let's go, let's hire a, you know a, bi- a big name coach here. I don't know who it is. I don't know who has ties to the program that they can maybe go get. But come on, UCLA, you you should be winning. We should, we should be having more fun with the old Bruins. Uh, Especially a school that has like a top five uniform in college football, I think. Uh, it's a shame to see it wasted on a bad team. <laughs> so we'll be we'll be tracking that situation closely uh, as weeks move along. Now, another coaching situation close to your heart, Rob, your alma mater, uh, Kansas State. All types of drama broke out this week. Uh, started with a tweet from Brett McMurphy saying that uh, there was a, a deal in place to hire Jim Levitt. 
uh, and have him be the coach in waiting to wait out Bill Snyder. Jim Levin, of course, is the Oregon defensive coordinator. I believe he was at Colorado last year. What, do you, what What's your take on it, Rob, and kind of bring us up to date on what happened as you were following it closely after that tweet broke out? It seemed like there was madness. People wanted Snyder fired, and then they go and beat Oklahoma State, which which is classic Bill Snyder move. So, so give us your thoughts and kind of give us the blow-by-blow. Blow. Well, it's still madness. So, you know, to people that don't really pay attention to it, which is most of the country, Bill wants his son to be the head coach at Kansas State after he retires. The problem is his son has never called to play in his life. His son is a career special teams coach, has only been in that position for less than you know six years probably, four or five years, I don't know how many. Um, has never been a coach anywhere else except for Kansas State, was an assistant athletic director. It's just, you know, it's nepotism. It's insane. Uh, nobody else is going to hire Sean Snyder except for Kansas State. So the report that McMurphy put out says that Bill blocked this. Uh, you know, he was going to come in as the head coach in waiting, but Bill said no, because I want my son to have the job. Uh, and that really rubbed some K-State fans the wrong way. What's interesting about it, though, is it almost seems it almost seems likely and more than likely that this was put out by the Kansas State Athletic Department in an effort to kind of weaponize the fan base against Bill Snyder. It's like, all right, if you're going to try to do this, we're going to make the fan base so mad at you and so mad at Sean that there's no way this can work. Now, if you know Bill... He's going to dig in. I mean, this isn't going to dissuade him. So they ask him about it today, and he comes up with some cockamamie story, or I don't know. So they ask him about the report on the Big 12 call. And he says, we hired, we offered Jim Levitt a linebacker's coach position, uh, but I don't know anything about head coach and waiting or anything. And what makes that totally insane is that Jim Levitt is the defensive coordinator at Oregon. And he was before that the defensive coordinator at Colorado. So for Snyder to say that they offered him a linebacker's coaching position at Kansas State and nothing else is, why would you even do that? And in what world would he be like, oh, you know what, I, I could use a real solid demotion to move to Manhattan, Kansas. It's, it's nuts. So of course, the fans are even more mad. It's coming to a head there. And I think a lot of people that cover that team or even covered that team when I was there covering Bill always kind of knew that this story doesn't end well. Uh, Bill was never going to go quietly into the night. He is very set on his son taking over this program, which many people feel is not in the best interest of the university. So I think this is the beginning of it, though. And I think this is going to get a lot uglier before it gets prettier. And it's going to be fascinating to watch. I, I don't know how long Bill Snyder plans to hang on, but I would guess he's not done trying to manipulate the situation to get Sean the job. Yeah, and it's a tough situation. We've seen this at other schools. I, I think you some guy can't get hired just because he's your kid, you know, and I know he's the assistant, he's a special teams coach and, and Bill will say he's integral in the team or whatever, but that's a tough one, man. I think like you said, we're, it's probably going to end ugly. I don't think it's going to end this year though. I feel like we're, we're running this. This is going to be going on for quite a while, right? No, this might make him dig in even harder. If he was, if he was planning to retire before signing day or something, try to force the administration's hand into hiring his son, now that this has come out, I could see him being like, guess what? I'm not going anywhere. I'll stay here for 10 more years. I mean, I'll, I'll make you fire me. <laughs> he's that's the kind that's the way he's wired though. Like, you know, and there's a certain small subset of Kansas State fans that think, you know, he's earned the right to stay as long as he wants. Let him name a successor. And then I think there's a larger and now growing number of them that are like, screw that, get this guy out of here, or you know, make him, you know, toe the line. Bill Snyder isn't the the king of the university. He shouldn't be making these kind of decisions. And so I don't know if it'll tarnish his legacy or not. He's done so much there. I don't. I think that's probably going too far. But it's certainly going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. 
Yeah. You know, guess what? Bill, you've done a great job keeping the program relevant. That doesn't mean you get to hire the next guy. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Nick Saban or, or whoever. You know, we've seen this at several schools where these guys feel like they're entitled to do stuff and you're not. I mean, guess what? You know, it doesn't matter how good you do of a job when, when you don't work there anymore, life goes on. And, you see, it was a know. major point of contention with our boy John Curry when he was there. He's now at Tennessee. They hated each other. Uh, that was really well known by people covering the program. I was at that time. And, you know, Bill thought he was a micromanager. They used to butt heads over scheduling. John Curry would try to make him schedule things like, like games against SEC schools and big draws and schedule a game that's going to get viewership and get the brand out there. And Bill, you know, if he had his way, would rather play with no fans in the stands in the indoor practice facility against the directional Washington every week just to get his 11 wins. And so they butted heads over that. Then they butted heads over the Snyder thing. And when he outlasted Curry, there was a belief that it was done partially because he thought he could shoehorn Sean in there under the watch of another athletic director. But it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case because it seems like the athletic department is still, you know, if they're trying to weaponize the fan base, which they are, uh, it doesn't seem like they're going to do this laying down. All right. So keep following it. Our, our uh, Kansas State site does a terrific job. What is the name of our Kansas State site, Rob? It's now uh, Kansas State Sports Online. And it's run by Jeff Martin, who is one of the, uh, you know, a longtime K-State beat reporter who does a great job, breaks a lot of news on that beat. Yeah, and get, they're terrific. Guess what? Self-sufficient, we like to say, which uh, big shout to them for taking matters into their own hands and working hard. What a concept, huh? I, they I do know, a good job, and, and uh, the people will follow you, as uh, we found out. Uh, some people didn't follow that theory. <laughs> Put it that way. Uh, moving on. <laughs> this is me talking, not Rob, <laughs> for the record, by the way, as I'm still salty. I get I get real salty about people's tweets and stuff like that. I'm very Baker Mayfield of me. Yeah. I'm uh, sure anybody that's listened to more than one episode of this podcast knows that, that you get salty over things. <laughs> over the smallest slight I will take personally and hold for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, so. we, we did do a 20 minute segment on you tasting a grape once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Moving on. Now, no Womack fact check this week. There was some ridiculous comments made on TV, but uh, I didn't write, I didn't write any of them down. I just, I do remember one, Talk about how how nobody knew who Nick Chubb was coming into college, which you know Nick was, I believe, the number 35, 36 prospect in the country on Rivals. He was a five star on other sites. I think some people knew who he was. I'll just put it that way. Um, tweet of the week time. You better hope that mediocre money that you make at Rivals is good enough for you for the rest of your life. We've got all types of tweets, Rob. We have people talking about everything. Uh, we're going to start out with. Uh, Ephraim, uh, WaffleWolf90 is his Twitter handle, and he DMs me. This was coming off of last week when we had uh, our friend at uh, the Affordable Garage Doors give me the tips on how to, to fix my iPhone from doing the uh, mess up when you type the, the, word, uh, the letter I. And he says, hey, can you send me the tweet of the guy helping you fix the iPhone issue? I will rate your podcast five stars if you do, LOL. So I sent him the instructions, at which point he responds, thanks, Woody. I appreciate it. I know you all talk about the Gators a lot. Keep it up. Commitment Issues is the only college football podcast I listen to that's not solely about Florida. So how about that? Thanks, Ephraim. Big shout to you. Now, uh, let's hope he left a review. I think he did, but uh, we'll get to that here shortly. Now, there were some other tweets which came through. Uh, from people in regard to the podcast, we don't like to get you know too bogged down in them. We we have had some people taking shots at uh, Mike Farrell lately on Twitter, which which has been funny. Uh, my, let's see, Mike, boy, what a last name for Mike! S T R O J N Y. 
Jeez, Mike, you need to buy a vowel there. Oh, no. <laughs> spell it again? <laughs> How would you say it? Well, spell it again and I'll try. S-T-R-O-J-N-Y. Strojny? Unless the J is, yeah, I think either Strojny or Str- Stroni. Well, anyway, uh, Michael says uh, he loves the podcast and he guess he doesn't, guess I don't have any class either. And that was in reference to me saying I have no class. Uh, and I don't care if Baker Mayfield has class either. Uh, like, as I said, I won't read this one because it's making fun of Mike, but I, I did laugh at it. Uh, a lot of talk about, about people being classless in my mentions here on the cycle as I scroll through my likes. And uh, uh, this guy who is, uh, I can't tell if he's a Trump supporter or if he's a Hillary supporter. His name, his name on Twitter is listed as but her emails. And you would think no, he- he's definitely, he's definitely with us. He's on my side. Oh, he is. Okay. Is that a socialist? Uh, that's a socialist. Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, it's, so- uh, it's like, this man is destroying the country and has this nuclear war, but emails. <laughs> okay. So that's the tone. So he says that the podcast is hilarious and he likes it. So uh, all types of good, good topics. Not a lot of uh, tweets I can read on the air here from, from people making fun of people, but keep keep up the good work, make fun of us, make fun of Rob, especially. And then anyone else you want, I will continue to laugh at them under my breath. It's amazing that I'm the one that gets mercilessly mocked when you're the one that sits up here and confesses to screaming at service employees, but yet you're the likable one. It's amazing you pull that off. Yeah, well, this just goes to show. Uh, okay, we got four new iTunes reviews. We, we went from, I believe we were at 46 last week as if we lost one. So we're up to 52. So we got six total reviews, uh, people giving us all types of stuff. Uh, we won't read them all because some of them are pretty generic. Uh, this guy says, good listen, especially for college football fans. Rob is gold. That's you, Rob. Hey, how about that? Uh, and then Definitely uh, a member of the DSA. I, that came from Rose Emoji, Rose Emoji Twitter for sure. Right. And then uh, I love this podcast. You guys do a great job. Uh, yeah, this is the only podcast I listen to that's not about my gators. So that's probably our boy, uh, Ephraim. And he says, uh, Woody is a social assassin. So- social assassin. Keep up. Keep it up, guys. I am a social assassin. I think that's a Kirby enthusiasm reference. Uh, he, he's right. You're something, that's for <laughs> sure. As Rob hears me. Uh, Rob and I often talk when I'm driving, and I hears me honking and screaming at people. But <laughs> by the way, one small- of these days, I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell the other, like the inverse of these. One of these days, I'm going to give a Woody story from my point of view. Ones that I've been there for and watched you in horror as you scream at a stranger. <laughs> we'll have to do that one week. How many of them are in horror, or how many of them are you just you? You tend to laugh. The only, yeah, mostly it's me laughing. The only one I watched in horror was the first time I saw it at the airport when I was picking you up and I believe Tampa and uh, I pulled up in the rental car to get you and you came, you know, kind of strolling out of the airport door towards the passenger side of the car, but stopped in the middle of like the airport traffic lane to stare down a person and yell expletives through their windshield. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's remind you that this person honked. Okay. I have expletives triggered at all time. And that's my problem is that I'm, I'm, most people are running at a level one of aggression. I'm not always at a four. So you might get mad and go from one to four. I go from like four to seven. Uh, so the person honked and immediately before the honk could even finish, I was cussing. And then there was a family of like, yeah, and that was the first time I'd ever seen it. So my jaw was like, oh, <laughs> who is this dude? Yeah, they were like children short with any of shot. So it was a little bit horrifying, but still hilarious. Cause then I get in the car and I'm like, what's up, Rob? <laughs> it was like, it didn't happen. Completely fine. Completely fine. So, um, 
Anyway, good iTunes reviews. Keep them coming, please. We're trying to get to uh, now. Our goal is 100. We're at 52. We need 48 more. I don't. I don't even know 48 people. Uh, so. I uh, definitely don't have 48 friends, so we need you guys to help us out. Uh, it's amazing that you don't have 48 friends. I don't have four to eight friends. I, <laughs> I don't think I can get to eight if I try to. <laughs> because you've cursed them all out within the first week of meeting them. Yeah, I don't think I can make that happen. Uh, okay, moving on to rants and recommendations. This is uh, an interesting week. We have Thanksgiving coming up, so we don't want to be uh, too negative in terms of uh, our complaints. Um I'm getting real tired of the phrase, hold my beer on Twitter. Can we please stop saying that? I mean, it's it's brutal, isn't it? Where, how did that start, do you think? It, I can't remember how it started, but I mean, if people that aren't aware of the meme, it's like, you know, here's the thing that happened uh, that people thought was insane. And then a more insane thing happened, and they used that. Uh, you know, I guess it was probably funny when it started. It was funny one time, but it's like, it's like, oh, okay, you know, the biggest steps that you... You know, Kansas, this is going to be the biggest upset of the weekend. Then then North Carolina, hold my beer. It's not yeah, it's funny. It's un- the, Here's my problem with stuff that's not – it's unoriginal and it's not funny. There was an episode of the OC about it famously where this <laughs> new guy came to town and everyone thought it was so funny and, and Seth Cohen was constantly telling him he's not funny. He's just big, you know, which was – which he had a great point and I totally agree. Come up with your own material. Hold my beer is so lame. Um, the other one was uh, more talk about Thanksgiving. Uh, it turned out we we dug into the archives, Rob, and you claim to have never heard the term dressing, but on episode four of the podcast, I referred to it as dressing, and you said no one calls it dressing. Yeah, I think I think that I heard it first from you a year ago, uh, and then I knew it existed, but then. I looked up. Well, actually, I didn't look up. After the last episode, the AP Style Book tweeted out that it is dressing if it is not inside the turkey and stuffing if it is. So I have been wrongly referring to to it for my entire life. So you were right, and I was wrong in this situation. Not to mention who – I don't think it's very sanit- healthy to cook it inside the turkey. People don't do that anymore. So guess what? If you're eating it, it's dressing. I think people call it stuffing because it's alliteration with stovetop. That's, that's my personal theory. Uh-huh. Yeah, or you know, I don't know. I guess I've never seen it inside the turkey. It's this is a whole this is a whole Thanksgiving house of horrors for me. If you really want to go down the go down the line, so but, if you, yeah, I don't I don't think it happens, right? Like you've never seen it that way, right? Uh, I think I probably have at some point in my life. Uh, you know, I grew up. Keep in mind, I grew up in the mountains, so all types of weird things go on. But yeah, I definitely do not cook it that way, and I don't think that's that's a very attractive way to cook it. Um, do you have any like? As as we as we kind of recommend something for Thanksgiving, do you have like an underrated side dish you like on Thanksgiving, or are you just uh, stick with? You know, I'm, I'm pretty normal, you know. I don't like I don't like it when people put raisins and stuffing or like fruit. Like I don't know if you've seen that. That's like a thing that happens. Um, I guess. Excuse me, dressing. Uh, <laughs> that sounds uh, gross. I don't like I don't like dressing. Hot take. I don't even eat it. I like it if it's. I don't know. I like it if it's normal and you don't try to church it up, you know, with raisins or something. What kind about of celery in there? You like celery in there? No. Uh-uh. Oh, really? Celery in anything. What's the point of putting celery in something? It, it doesn't taste like anything. I guess to add texture would be the only reason. I mean, it has no taste. Can we agree on that? Yeah, it's also a negative calorie food, though. So, it takes so it's filler, right? But it takes your body. It burns more calories to digest than it than it. it is calories you're ingesting. So it's good for you. 
Yeah, well, you know, I'm not, when I come to Thanksgiving, I'm not, uh, I'm, not, I'm not coming for the health benefits. I put celery in some stew I made last night, and it was a big hit over here. We had a bunch of people over for a fire pit, and uh, and I said, hey, I made some stew. Next thing you know, there's only two servings left of stew this, when when by the time the party was over, and it had a lot of celery in it. So It must be nice having cold weather. I'd like to at least have like a day or two of it because I do kind of miss it. Uh, I don't miss long stretches of it though. Yeah, Atlanta's pretty temperate. So, uh, but but anyway, I don't know. My go-to side dish. Guess what? I want that cranberry sauce right out of the can. I want the lines on the side of the can. <laughs> don't don't give me any people will you know I, I people will bring this. Oh, this is my. It's a citrus whatever. No negative. I want it. I don't want to. I want to be able to touch it and have it jiggle. Uh, I don't, I've never really had it. I know that sounds crazy. I don't think I've seen it at Thanksgiving meals, but I've never been adventurous enough to try it. And, and guess what? Womack life hack alert. You take the can and put it in the freezer. Okay. You let it freeze, you open it up and then you eat it with the spoon right out of there. And it's like having that cranberry dessert. <laughs> cranberry popsicle is what you're having. Well, you don't know. You have to, you really have to scrape the spoon in there to eat it. So it's like an Italian ice. Yeah, exactly. Huh. It's nice. It's it's nice smooth goes down smooth. So I would I would put that on the list too for uh, for recommendation because nobody really nobody eats that besides me at least at Thanksgivings I go to. Uh, I would also advise getting some King's Hawaiian rolls. Those are always nice. I'm sure you eat a lot of those, Rob. With you, I do like those things. Yeah, yeah those, those those are very good. Man, we miss Nick this week. I'm sure he has some kind of Thanksgiving take. It just he seems like a Thanksgiving guy. Uh, but that wraps it up for us. No, no wacky story of the week, as you heard. If you if you want to go back and listen uh, during the Baker Mayfield discussion, I did talk about a wacky story uh, where I threatened someone with a bat one time. <laughs> so, <laughs> some people just this may shock you. Okay, the best part is you can you can probably like the reactions of people to this. It's like the people that have listened to this podcast for you know six or seven months are probably like, oh, of course. But like new listeners are probably like, excuse, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> several people have told me that they just start the podcast at tweet of the week basically and don't listen to anything else so uh if you still if you did that this week you missed a funny story from me about slow pitch softball which guess what i got a lot of softball antic stories if we want to get into that in the office it doesn't want to involve somebody having a broken rib it doesn't say that again i'm sorry you could break it. somebody's rib in a softball game is this true yeah like a 50 year old woman <laughs> I, I shouldn't have. I, the ambulance had to come. The game was stopped. It was bad. But I got news for you, Rob. When the train's coming, you better get off the tracks because uh, there are no brakes. All gas. Let's leave no, it at that. All gas, no brakes, as the kids often say. And uh, you know, you better stay out of the baseline because I'm coming in hot. So all right, M Deuce, get us out right. of here. All right, that wraps it up. Bye.